Hey y'all, it's Jack Lingenfilter, and welcome back to the Straws That Stir The Drinks. As always, follow us on Instagram, at Straws That Stir The Drinks, and hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Today we are joined by call Mamie Hurdle. Mamie is currently serving as the National FFA Central Region Vice President. And today we talk all about her FFA career, so here is Mamie Hurdle. Thanks for tuning in to the Straws That Stir the Drinks we have on call, Mamie Hurdle. Mamie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thanks again for, for joining us today. Uh, I just watched a video, actually, on National FFA Instagram about you, and I was just wondering if you were in charge of making any of those videos and, and what kind of your uh, responsibilities in, on that are. Yeah, so every single week uh, we have each of our uh, team members doing one day of the week posting videos. And so I just posted my video from Monday um, and it's about more connection. So this week I'm starting a pen pal project and FFA members can sign up to get a pen pal from across the nation. That's awesome. So for those of you, for, for those of our listeners who, who really don't know who you are, uh, what exactly is your FFA story? How are you introduced into agriculture and how are you introduced into this uh, wide FFA world? Yeah, so I grew up on a farm and ranch outside of Moore, Montana. I'm fourth generation with my brother on the farm and ranch. We had mainly Simital, Angus cattle, as well as spring wheat, winter wheat, and barley. And so I've grown up around production agriculture my whole life. And so I guess joining SSA in seventh grade was the next natural step for me. Um, but I had no idea that when I walked into the ag ed classroom, how much I would learn and the memories I would make. Um, and so I actually started in sixth grade selling um, fundraising things for our chapter, even though I wasn't a chapter member yet because my advisor roped me into it. And so you could say I was a member before I was even a member. Um, but anyways, in seventh grade, I started creed speaking, and that was kind of my first composition that really got me hooked in what FFA is and agriculture education and how many opportunities that there are. Um, and that's what, you know, has kept me motivated all of my years. I still love creed speaking. It's still my favorite competition, and I credit it to being what motivates me and what kept me going in FFA and really inspired me to do more. Absolutely. And I understand that now that you're a national officer, you get to see just how different all of these state organizations are and how they all run and, and, and tick. And in Georgia, I'm an area officer, and I understand that that's kind of a different program if they even have a program like that in different state associations. In Montana specifically, was there ever a district or area office that was active in Montana? No, so we do not have district or area officers in Montana. We just have chapter officers, and then we do have districts that decide our competitions, um, but then it's just the state-level officers. We don't have the district officers. When did you decide exactly to run for state office? Because, you know, it's a big deal in any state association uh, to run for state office and be the leaders of that a state or state association. So when was it in your particular FFA career to run for state office? 
Yeah. So as I mentioned, I started FFA in seventh grade and I would say around my, you know, freshman, sophomore year, I thought that being a state officer would be really cool, but I had no idea what my reason would be for running. Um, and so I thought it was a really cool opportunity, but I guess I wasn't convicted in, you know, what I wanted to do with my life and my purpose until my sophomore year when I attended Washington Leadership Conference in Washington, D.C. Uh, for those of us that have heard of the conference before, we probably know that it's one of the most amazing experiences ever. But for those of us that don't know what WLC is, it's a week-long conference in Washington, D.C., where 300 students from across the nation gather to learn about community service. And that week was, as cheesy as it sounds, the most life-changing experience I've ever had. Um, one of the very first activities that we did, we wrote down on a piece of paper what it was that was making us frustrated or challenged or angry, sad, anything in our life that was maybe holding us back, you know, the baggage that we had. And I started writing some pretty surface level things about, you know, forgive my brother for stealing the TV remote for me. Um, but then I started thinking more about it. And I really wrote down the things that were really on my mind at that time. And then we took that piece of paper, crumpled it up and threw it in the trash. And then the facilitators for WLC told us that there was more to our lives than what we had written down on that paper. And in that moment, everything just kind of clicked for me. And I realized that our lives are more than any challenge that we have faced or will face. And there's so much more to everything that we do. And I guess that has what, that's what has really motivated me in everything that I do in SSA, outside of SSA. My life motto now is that there's more to it all. And I guess that moment at WLC, I realized that that was the message that I wanted to share in whatever capacity that led me to. And it led me to state office and now national office. That's a great uh, just kind of saying to live by, especially in FFA and, and as a state officer and now a national officer. So how were your years as a state officer, you know, being in the Montana Association? How was it being a state officer? Yeah, being a state officer is so much fun in Montana. Um, so we get to start off our year in April. Uh, usually the last weekend in March is when we have our convention. And so I guess it was two years ago, uh, just a few days ago, that I got elected to state office. It's crazy to think how time flies. Um, and then the summer is a lot of things around the state, including agriculture, or agriculture Opportunities Tour, where we get to go with members and visit different parts of the state. And then in September, we move into District Leadership School, where we get to travel around with partners um, on our team and facilitate workshops. And then the meat of our chapter visits get done in December and January, which seems a little crazy in Montana because that's when all the weather is going south. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but we get through it and we drive through crazy weather sometimes, um, make lots of memories with whatever chapter partner we have with our team. Um, and then we wrap up the year again in March. Uh, lots of the things in between then, but those are just a few of the highlights. I'm very thankful for uh, the year that I served at Montana. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a, a point in your state officer career where you were like, you know, this is what I want to do, you know, just go all in and run for nationals. Was there ever a point, a turning point, or maybe an experience you had that led you to want to uh, seek the position for a national officer? I loved FFA, but I guess I was never really connected as much with the national officers. I would just see, you know, the one that came to our convention walking past me in the hallway or Maybe I'd see them on Instagram a few times, but never really connected with, you know, who they are and what they do until I was a state officer. 
And so at State Officers Summit, getting to interact with the national officers kind of put the seed in my head of, you know, maybe that's something I would like to do. And maybe I would want to run for national office. And then going to national convention as a state officer and being a delegate and being on the floor and watching the election of that new national officer team, I uh, turned to my teammate and smiled at her and she looked back at me and said, you know, Mimi, I think you should run for national office next year. And at the time, I thought that she was crazy and I thought, no way could I ever do that. Um, and then it rolled around to be uh, running for the candidate for Montana. I was fortunate enough to be able to be chosen to represent Montana. And then it's all history from there, I guess. Right. And what is the process like in Montana specifically for for choosing the national officer candidate? Because in Georgia, you know, we kind of have like our own little committee. We have, um, you know, Mr. Ben Lastly, who is kind of over the whole process. So how is it like in Montana choosing the national officer candidate? So we usually have an adult coordinator uh, that organizes all of it. That is not part of our state staff usually. Um, And then we have a few committee members that can be business industry leaders. They could be board members on the association board or the foundation board. Uh, Generally three to four people that are on that board as well as student members. And then we get to kind of do a mock run through of what we do at national convention to run. Um, Obviously a much shortened version because we don't have, you know, 40 plus candidates running for office. Um, And we are allowed to run um, as many people as want, as, as many people as they want, but usually we have around four or five people from the previous state officer years uh, that run. How did you train for national office? Because you spoke a little bit about the process of then becoming the national officer candidate, and I'm guessing you spent uh, a short or long amount of time training for national office leading up to the event in October. So how did you train for that position? Yeah, so... We haven't had a national officer from Montana since 2009, uh, so exactly 10 years apart. And I remember talking with our past national officer, uh, his name is Chase Rose, and trying to figure out, you know, what plan is best uh, for me to, you know, grow as much as I could in the months leading up to convention and interview schedules and all these things. And I talked to a few other candidates that had been um, Montana's candidates in the years before. And eventually I just came to the conclusion that, you know, everyone has their own journey getting to convention and it looks different for every single person. So for me, as weird as it sounds, being a national officer, I'm a more introverted person than most. Um, and so I did a lot of my growth uh, leading up to national office, um, you know, thinking about things in my head, constantly interviewing myself in my car when I was driving places staying up late at night, just thinking about, you know, what are the things that I really care most about? What are the messages that I want to share? And just developing those stories a lot by myself. Um, And then in addition, obviously, we did a lot of practice interviews with different people. I had a lot of my friends be consistent with me to work on interviews with them. But I also did some interviews with business and industry people, some people that were on our foundation board, and was just just constantly in a mindset of thinking about what it is that I wanted to share and what it is that really drove me. Um, And I guess the best thing that I did for myself was realize that no person can run just for their state or for their chapter or for anyone other than themselves. And that was kind of a weird realization for me because I thought this is a selfless position. Why would we do it for ourselves? 
But at the end of the day, no one else is staying up late thinking about things. No one else can prepare you to be in the interview room. No one else can speak the words out of your mouth. You have to be able to do that yourself. And so that's something that I've kept in mind or I kept in mind running up uh, into national office um, that you have to be able to believe in yourself and believe in your own abilities because no one else can do that for you. What was convention week like and the nominating committee? Were you nervous at all uh, leading up to that point or did you kind of have it all under control? How was that week and convention like? Yeah, so nerves, I think, are a beautiful natural thing that everyone has. I think if you're not nervous, you uh, should be a little bit concerned. But at the same time, I recognize that if you're a person that's constantly worrying all week, uh, you won't get the most out of that what could be those last few days in the blue jacket. And so I was fortunate enough to have my mom be there with me the whole week. She encouraged me after every single interview uh, when I got out and thought, wow, that didn't go as planned, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, And she really helped me through a lot of things. And I made the most of the week by hanging out with the Montana state officers, hanging out with some friends that I had known um, in previous years at conventions. Um, And a lot of the candidates I got to know pretty well. It was pretty incredible to watch your growth in just a week at convention. And so, yes, I you know, was nervous the whole week, but at the same time, I trusted how much I had prepared before and made the most of the week um, as it was. But I can honestly say that I never walked out of an interview and thought, wow, that was really great. It was always, I got through that. (laughs) I did my best. (laughs) And then, you know, the relief is gone and your name was called as the Central Region National Vice President. And, you know, how was that feeling running up on stage? Ah, the million dollar question, what everyone loves to ask, huh? (laughs) So (laughs) right before uh, George Class Peters, our nominating committee chair, walked up on stage, I just kind of closed my eyes and bowed my head and, you know, thought in five minutes, my name is not going to be called and I'm not going to be up on stage. And that's totally fine. My life will be completely fine. (laughs) Uh, And so I guess when they called my name, I looked up at the screen and it didn't click with me until I saw the picture and my name up on that screen that it was me. I couldn't believe my own ears that they had called my name. Um, and so ran up on stage. And if you've seen any pictures, I lost my shoes um, because I was so excited running up on stage. And it really just is a whirlwind of emotions because it's something that you hope and dream would happen. But in the back of your mind, you always think, you know, it'll be okay if it doesn't happen. And then when it does, it's just overwhelming. <laughs> how is it like now being the, the national officer from Montana? You know, how were your expectations, you know, did they meet those expectations? Was it nothing that you expected? How is it like now being the national officer? So it is a little bit weird. I remember my first event after a uh, convention was a Montana event, um, just a week and a half or so after we got elected. And I felt like an outsider almost. I wondered, you know, like I felt so at home at Montana FFA and now here I am um, at the national level and I don't know what my place is anymore, but that quickly faded away. People are so encouraging and so supportive. And it's been really cool to have members reach out and say, I never thought that I could run for national office being from Montana, but seeing you do it makes me want to try. And that just warms my heart that I could be a person for someone that would encourage them to do something because in all reality, FFA is a place where anyone can see if they can succeed if they want to, and if they just have enough try and drive for it. Um, and I think that being from Montana and from a smaller state is a really a good 
testament to that because everyone has an equal opportunity to, you know, follow their dreams and, you know, become a national officer if they set their mind to it. Um, yeah. So what have been some cool places that you've gotten to travel to as national officer? I'm, I'm sure you've gotten to travel to, to lots of states and lots of cool places. What have been some of the highlights as, as a national officer, some places that you've gotten to travel to? Yeah, so I haven't gotten to travel too much just because of everything that's happening in our world now. Um, Before I came home uh, to be pulled off the road for the time being, I got to go to Ohio for our experience week, uh, just practicing all of our workshops with different schools with all of our teammates. And then I went off on my own. Uh, We went to Maryland and Delaware for FFA week. And then I went to Texas as well as North Carolina and Wisconsin. So those are all the states that I've been to, but we also got to go to Japan in January, and that was so cool. Wow. I'm so glad that we got to have that opportunity before, I guess, chaos broke out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what do you hope to accomplish this year? You know, we've you've spoke about the coronavirus coming in and kind of, you know, messing up your schedule a little bit, um, but you're still a national officer, and still, what do you hope to accomplish this year? as Mamie Hurdle, the national officer? Yeah. So one thing that has really kept me going during this time being at home and having the year kind of switched up uh, a little bit, to say the least, is that if we are convicted in our mission, the method changing will not affect us. And so our mission of inspiring and being national officers has not changed. The method of that has Um, And so just making the most of whatever method uh, is available to us is how I'm hoping that I can leave my mark this year. And since the beginning, I said that as a national officer, I hope that every single person I meet, every single person that I'm able to talk with leaves knowing that there is more to it all. And I hope that I get to share that message with as many people as possible, because it's something that really, as I said, inspires me in everything that I do. And during this time, especially recognizing that this virus and everything that we're doing, there's a much larger picture to it. And it's bigger than you or me or FFA or agriculture or anything. There's more to everything that we're doing. And we are able to think past it and realize that there's more to our lives than just these few months and more to our year of service than being at home for just a few weeks and changing up the method. Absolutely. And and that's a great message to live by is that there all there is always more to, to the story and so national convention is coming up in october and this is really the big date for for all national officers and so my first question would be have y'all started preparing for that event because i know it's huge yeah so we have talked a little bit but we haven't gotten too in depth uh as far as you know the the details of everything that comes with national office. We've talked a little bit about, you know, getting our parents there, um, planning that portion of it. But to be honest, the majority of our planning for national convention gets done in August, September, October. Uh, And so just those few months leading up to convention are just kind of jam-packed memorization planning sessions. Uh, So we don't think about it too much until then. Are you excited to be able to welcome, you know, the new national officers this October? You know, are you excited to be able to be a part of the the huge convention that goes on and where you're going to be able to welcome all these new FFA members, uh, first timers that haven't been ever been before to the National FFA Convention? You know, how excited uh, or a little nervous are you for that? Both, for sure. <laughs> uh, thinking back, um, I've 
used to watch retiring addresses all the time on YouTube and thought they were the coolest thing watching, you know, national officers up on stage. And now I'm kind of scared because I'm going to have the microphone and what words am I going to say? But in all reality, I am beyond excited to be able to welcome that new national officer team. And like you said, all the members are going to come into Indianapolis because it's such a special few days where we get to watch the sea of blue jackets and recognize, as I said, that we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. And there's a lot more to FFA than what we see in our state. And I cannot wait to see it from the other side of things from backstage and interacting with members as much as I can that week because it will be the last time that we wear our jacket and that's cool that we get to have you know a definite date of when we take that off a lot of people don't get that and I'm just very very thankful that we will get to have that as a national officer team and be able to welcome all of those members to have an amazing experience in Indianapolis absolutely and I understand there's you know when you're whenever you're preparing for your retiring address or even speeches that you give as a national officer in general I understand there's a certain expectation for every national officer you know to do the best they can how is the process like either writing your speeches or creating a workshop or you know trying to engage with with students yeah so we get lots and lots of training uh basically after we get elected it's training all the way up until february constantly uh working on our workshops and our keynote speeches and i guess development for workshops and speeches looks different for everyone just as preparing for national office does we get people to come in and help us but it's very personalized in how you want to go about it Um, For me, I just like to write down a lot of the stories that have impacted me and I feel like it really shapes my life Um, and then try to see, you know, what do people really want to hear and thinking about your audience and what will be the most impactful for them to hear at this point in time Um, and then shaping the message around that because everything should start with why and why are we saying these words? Why are we giving these speeches? And it's to impact those people that are listening to them. Um, And so that's how I start every single speech thinking about what it is that would really help someone that would be sitting in a chair listening to that speech. Right, absolutely. So what is in the future for you? You know, what is in the future for Mamie Hurdle? You know, is what kind of careers are you looking for? What are some opportunities you'd love to have in your future? You know, past national office, you know, past FFA, or, you know, what kind of morals or traits are you going to keep with you? And and what's in your future? Yeah, so... I think that in the fall, uh, I will try to apply to Texas A&M University. Um, That's kind of the tentative plan right now to go there in spring of 2021 to study agriculture communications. Um, I visited there in March and it was absolutely incredible. I loved the campus so much. And Texas reminds me of a warm Montana, basically, um, (laughs) in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so I feel really at home there and really can see myself growing um, and having a great education there. Um, But I guess in the end, I hope that I can go into something along the lines of agriculture law. I hope to go to law school in a few years. We'll see if I still feel that way after I finished undergrad uh, at Texas A&M. But my goal in the end is to just be involved in the agriculture world in some way, shape or form with communications. And so thank you again for coming on here today, Mamie. You're absolutely incredible to talk to. We've had a a great conversation. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to the Straws That Stir the Drinks. I've been your host, Jack Lingenfelter. Find us on Instagram at Straws That Stir the Drinks. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.